Let us pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for bringing us here once again to study your word. We pray, Father, that as we go through the reading for this evening, that you would give us the blessing of your Holy Spirit. Grant us understanding. We pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts and spur us to continue to walk in the narrow way towards perfection in our Lord Jesus Christ. Do this and take the glory in Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Maranatha, September 24 The Great Time of Trouble In those days shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created unto this time, neither shall be. Mark chapter 13 verse 19 The time of trouble such as never was is soon to open upon us and we shall need an experience which we do not now possess and which many are too indolent to obtain. It is often the case that trouble is greater in anticipation than in reality, but this is not true of the crisis before us. The most vivid presentation cannot reach the magnitude of the ordeal, and now, while the precious Savior is making an atonement for us, we should seek to become perfect in Christ. God's providence is the school in which we are to learn the meekness and lowliness of Jesus. The Lord is ever setting before us, not the way we would choose, which is easier and pleasanter to us, but the true aims of life. None can neglect or defer this work, but at the most fearful peril, to their souls. The Apostle John in vision heard a loud voice in heaven exclaiming, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he had but a short time. Fearful are the scenes which call forth this exclamation from the heavenly voice. The wrath of Satan increases as his time grows short, and his work of deceit and destruction reaches its culmination in the time of trouble. God's long-suffering has ended. The world has rejected his mercy, despised his love and trampled upon his law. The wicked have passed the boundary of their probation, and the Lord withdraws his protection and leaves them to the mercy of the leader they have chosen. Satan will have power over those who have yielded themselves to his control, and he will plunge the inhabitants of the earth into one great final trouble. As the angels of God cease to hold in check the fierce winds of human passion, all the elements of strife will be let loose. The whole world will be involved in ruin more terrible than that which came upon Jerusalem of old. In the midst of the time of trouble, trouble such as has not been since there was a nation. His God's chosen ones will stand unmoved. Satan with all the hosts of evil cannot destroy the weakest of God's saints. Amen. Right. The first statement in this reading is already subject matter for discussion. 
a very long one at that. The time of trouble such as never was is soon to open upon us and we shall need an experience which we do not which we do not now possess and which many are too indolent to obtain. What is this experience that we need that we do not have now and it says that many are too indolent to obtain. I think if you go down it says and now while the precious Savior is making an atonement for us we should seek to become perfect in Christ. I believe that's the experience that's been referred to. An experience of perfection of Christian character. That is the experience, that is the preparation for the time of trouble. Like we said yesterday, still the same thing as repenting from sin, every sin in the life. This is the reason why I still said yesterday to our say now. This is the time to check thoroughly the life. Leave no stone unturned. We are talking of perfection here. We are talking of perfection in Christ. This means that every little aspect of our life needs to be examined by the word of God and ask, is this in line with the character of Christ? That is the experience that we need to go through now. The perfection of Christ is what he said before his crucifixion. The prince of this world cometh and findeth nothing in me. When he made that statement, what he meant is that there is nothing Satan can scrutinize in him and find one point, one little point, where he can say that Christ yielded to me in this area. So that is the reason why we are giving light, the light of the spirit of prophecy today, to go into detail on what sin is, especially in these last days. Why do we say especially in these last days? Because we read in this devotion now that as time is closing, Satan's wrath gets stronger. It says the wrath of Satan increases as his time grows short. And his work of deceit and destruction reaches its culmination in the time of trouble. So we are living in a time when Satan's temptations have taken a new turn. And it needs counsel to expose these things and to prepare us to overcome them. So what are these, what are these deceptions of Satan that is prevalent today that we need to get the victory over them that we need to be perfect in christ for me i do not see how satan will not use against anybody the idea that we still watch movies against us if we must be perfect in christ and we must be in a position where satan will come and scrutinize us and will not find one area in the life where he can say i'm holding this person then i think the the culture of watching of movies and delighting in them gaming that's video games we're talking of sports also these things should not be in the life because satan will use them against us do we think that we can be perfect in christ while still engaging in these things they, we cannot be perfect in christ and still be pleasure lovers because that's what these things are about sports game entertainment that's what they are about and you cannot be perfect in christ that's the experience we're talking about here no one can be perfect in christ while engaging in these things so satan brings them and makes them look as if they are innocent pleasures that's what they are called innocent pleasures but are they really innocent pleasures does the bible speak against such things of course it does when you read the bible it talks about emulation being a problem as as a, as a work of the flesh in galatians uh, five reading from verse 19 down when it talks of the work of the flesh one of them is emulation emulation has to do with competitive things competitive sports is part of emulation 
and it is a work of the flesh. It's a work of the flesh. And then when you go to the movies, we saw in our reading this morning, Isaiah 33, Isaiah 33, talking about those whose hands are clean, who are righteous. Isaiah 33, reading from verse 17, in the context of the time of trouble, from verse 15 downward, sorry, in the context of the time of trouble, it says, those who will be able to stand are those that walk righteously, speaks uprightly, despise the gain of oppressions, shake his hands from holding of bribes, stops his ears from hearing of blood, and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. This is the characteristic of those who will be able to stand at this time. Do we see evil when we look at the movies? Yes, we do. We see evil. Do we hear evil? We do also in the entertainment industry. So I think Satan's temptations have increased so drastically. The technology now, he's doing it in such a way that to escape temptation is very difficult. Today, everybody has smartphones. When you go into the smartphone, go to YouTube, suggestions are given to you. Even if you're not on YouTube, just on any web page, there are ads there. And most of these ads are of a sensual nature or now we see everywhere betting which is not convenient which is not which is not right to sin betting gambling then you go into uh, all these sensual things they're all the suggestions they give to you when you're now going to youtube same thing entertainment all temptation his it, his wrath has increased and many people will think oh his wrath increases in the way of angry and then he's going to show violence towards people yeah that's part of it but the greatest sin Satan wants is just for, for us to be involved in only one sin, just one sin, and he's satisfied. Just one sin. So when his wrath increases, it means his temptation increases. The Bible even calls it in, in Revelation 3, the hour of temptation, which shall come to try all them that dwell on the earth, which is these last days. This is the hour of temptation that we are in. And if we must come to that time ready, that means we must presently be having an experience of overcoming sin. And that experience is not for people who are lazy and indolent. It is for people who will put forth the effort that is necessary. And when we say the effort that is necessary, sacrifices will have to be made. And it it takes strength of self-control to make these sacrifices so that you can overcome. If you are weak and just allow the temptations to sweep you, you will not be able to overcome. But we have to make some sacrifices. Sometimes we may need to change location. Sometimes we may need to, at least just to get ourselves. We, we can't always be in positions where there are no temptations around us, but at least we can reduce them. And in doing what God has asked you to do, choosing the loca- right location, making the right friends, going to the right places, avoiding the wrong places, all these things are making our work easier for us. doesn't mean temptations won't come. They will still come. But you will be in a better position to overcome them. So we must get this experience of the perfection of Christ's character. May the Lord help us to get it in Jesus' name. The devotion tells us that God is always choosing the way for us. And it will be well if we can submit to his way. We can choose otherwise, but for those who have given their lives to Christ, he wants to bring out the perfect pattern. In the book, My Life Today, page 268, paragraph 3, it reads, This world is God's workshop, and every stone that can be used in the heavenly temple must be hewed and polished 
until it is a tried and precious stone fitted for its place in the Lord's building. But if we refuse to be trained and disciplined, we shall be as stones that will not be hewed and polished and that are, and that are cast aside. I'll take that again. And that are cast aside at last as useless. It may be that much work needs to be done, that you are a rough stone which must be squared and polished before it can fill a place in God's temple. You need not be surprised if he, with hammer and chisel God cuts away the sharp corners of your character until you are prepared to fill the place he has for you. No human being can accomplish this work. Only God can, only by God can it be done. Pardon? And be assured that he will not strike one useless blow. His every blow is struck in love for your eternal happiness. He knows your infirmities and works to restore, not to destroy. So here we see that God is the one who is fitting us up. And the devotion says that he chooses the way which he wants us to go. The Lord is ever setting before us, not the way we would choose, which is easier and pleasanter to us, but the true aims of life. The true aims of life is character perfection. Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness. That's the purpose, that's the true aim of life. And I, I remember there's a, there's a devotion I read some days back that said that God wants this character to be perfected or be shown by the things which we do. It says, let me just read it, it says, the conversation we have by the fireside, the books we read, the business we transact are all agents in forming our characters and day by day decide our eternal destiny. True character is the quality of the soul revealing itself in the conduct so by the way we do our daily duties by the way we wake up from sleep the way we behave during devotion the way we eat our food the, how much change comes back when there's a business transaction did somebody give you money more than necessary did somebody annoy you so that you want to fight in each of those experiences, character is being revealed. And God, if He, as kind as He is, will choose a path. Let me take, for instance, the path for Joseph. He was betrayed by his own brothers, sold into slavery, the same family. What more could you explain out of, as in, how much hatred could you express in that situation? This is somebody who, your own family member selling you, and then from there, he goes to Potiphar's wife and works hard. And then the wife betrays him. Then he's put into prison seven more years. How, much, how, how long has he lived? And how terrible can you compare his life? Everything seems as if it's negative, negative. But God was the one who was choosing the path for him. God was trying to shape his character. Before this time, he couldn't live an independent life. Before this time, 
he, he depended much on his father for decisions. But God wanted to make him a man. And God allowed some difficulties on his path. The reading tells us once more that God is the one who is choosing the path. And the Lord is setting it before us, not the way we choose. So you may be someone who is easily irritated and situations are coming up here and there to try your temper. What God is trying to do is to chisel out that rough edge. We are told that Jesus was not elated by uh, applause or dejected by censure. Character, we are told, is a quality of the soul revealing itself in the conduct. That's my life today, page 267-4. So God doesn't want wants our conduct to be like that of Christ. He knows our infirmities, so he's going to expose us to different situations. I just want to guarantee you and myself, according to 1 Corinthians um, 10, that says that he will not allow any temptation that is greater than us, not so, to try us. So we are sure that it's only going to, he's only going to permit situations that he knows we can bear. We should trust that we have a good manager, a good uh, God. And he does, we are also told in the reading I, I, I cited before, that he does not strike a needless blow. So let's allow ourselves to be trained in the school of Christ. You may just be at the peak of your career and you have a Sabbath exams. You may just be in your final year and all your papers fall on final year, in, in on Sabbath rather. God, and you have done everything you're supposed to do, meet the authorities, plead with your supervisors and nothing seems to be changed. Know that God is choosing a path for you. And he has something in stock better than even the, the degrees and everything. He has heaven in stock for you. Eternal life that cannot be compared with anything. So I just want to bring to our knowledge that God chooses the path. We should not be anxious. We should be, uh, we should be assured that He will bring out a character that looks like His. May this be our experience in Jesus' name. I want to share my own, my own, my own lesson lessons that I'm trying to learn day by day and God has, God has been patient with me. The reading said that we need an experience which we do not now possess. Our brother has cited one of the experiences, one part of it which is confessing and repenting of our sins. I will, I will consider that Romans 6 should be read in a private time, Romans 6 and Romans 8. But I will highlight on some parts today. For in that Christ died, I'm reading Romans 6 verse 10. In fact, let me start from verse 9. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, died no more, death has no dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Christ has died. He died with our sins in his own body, as First Peter 2 tells us. Our sins were in his body when he died. But as he arose from the grave, death had no more dominion over him, neither sin, because sin brings death. Our sins were no longer in his body as he arose. Then he says in verse 11, In that same manner, likewise, reckon ye also your, yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, 
that ye should obey it in the lust thereof or in the desires thereof. Neither ye do your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but ye do yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead, and your members, that is your body parts, as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. <clears throat> now, it's like as if, in fact, not even it's like as if, the key to overcoming sin lies in our hands. We are told, let not sin therefore reign over your, in your mortal body. Let not, meaning you should not allow sin to reign in your mortal body. You should not obey it in the desires thereof. We are told in Greek in uh, Desire of Ages, the chapter in which in which Ellen White described uh, about the Pharisees when they, when they were attributing the power of Jesus Christ to Beelzebub. She said there that it lies in in this in the in the hand of the on the of the soul, the the hand of the individual to free himself from sin. What is it not Christ that frees us from sin? Yes, he does that, but without. He cannot do without our cooperation. We are the ones to take the power and we are the ones to unlock that prison by ourselves. We are told also in Steps to Christ that prayer is the key in the hands of faith to open heaven's storehouse. It will remain closed until you open it by yourself and take it, that take the blessings that are there. But in the case of today, the blessings of overcoming sin, the blessings of not allowing sin to reign over you is in your hands. That is... God has freely given it as free as the rain. You don't even pray for rain to come. And rain comes on its own. You don't pray for the sun to shine. It just comes. It is all there. Grace is just abounding everywhere. You are the one to take it up. And then um, leave it out. Let me be plainer. The next verse now says, you should not yield your members, you should not yield your body parts, your faculties, your sensibilities, your emotions. Don't yield it to become instruments of unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? Anger, works of the flesh, pride, vanity, loss of the eyes, anything at all that ministers to the flesh. Don't yield your members to do unrighteousness. Rather, yield yourself to God. God will not yield you to him. You will yield yourself to him and then sin will no longer have dominion over you. And then he says, don't you know, in verse 16, that those who, anyone who you, who you yield yourself to obey, that person, you have become that person's servant. If you yield yourself to obey sin, then you are sin's servant. And if you yield yourself to obey God, you are God's servant and obedience will result in righteousness. Still plainer, you might in your heart have given up movies. When you hear a movie that is being played somewhere, maybe an adjacent room or maybe in the parlor, yeah, you don't want to go and watch it, but somehow your ears are there bent. Especially if it's something they have watched before. You're trying to capture everything that is said there. And if I'm describing your experience, then somehow you are yielding yourself to that sin, to that unrighteousness. Under a scenario, you are, you say you are a Christian, but when a lady passes, your eyes are bent upon her bottom. You even struggle to keep the eye away, yet you still look at it. It's a form of pleasure that the body is deriving. That is why the senses are deriving, and that's why it's 
continue looking at that person. Football, you are walking like we are walking. We are we are walking. There, there's a football pitch there. I don't want to watch football because I know it will create something in me because of what I've been doing before. But when it immediately I hear go and rush out to go and check whether who scored, what 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 was happening to me then? My members, something it was desiring something, and I was yielding to that desire, even though I was trying to go away from it. But God is calling us to higher. I know that this. I know that we are all struggling. Some of us have these experiences day by day, but we don't intend. We really don't want to hurt our Lord. We. We don't really want to go into those things. But somehow, it's just that it's a struggle in us, uh, which I can testify to because it happens to me sometimes. But truth be told, the experience which we are told in the reading we are to, ex we are to, ex we are to have before that time, in which, like our brother said, so that the devil cannot come and say, I have something in you that is still responding to me. We need to yield our members to God totally. So that, like Romans 6 says, we will not yield our members, our faculties, or anything at all to, to, to be instruments of unrighteousness. So my prayer is today is for every one of us. Please, think deep. Self-examination is the key, as we read yesterday. Examine yourself. Every day as you come back, Think about it. Plead with God. Say, God, today that girl passed and my eyes kept looking at her. I know it is not right. I shouldn't look at that person that way. It is adultery. Bible says something of eyes full of adultery. Feet that are ready to shed blood. Mouth that speaks, you know. So, examine yourself every day and you see that you have this... You, you find power to repent and then the next time when that thing comes, you'll be conscious of yourself. you throw your eyes off and you say, I will not allow Satan to have anything in me through this thing or through that thing. And the Lord will help us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, in the, the final paragraph, it says, In the midst of the time of trouble, trouble such as has not been since there was a nation, his chosen people, God's chosen ones, will stand unmoved. Satan, with all the host of evil, cannot destroy the weakest of God's saints. I, this reading reminds me of Stephen, the matter of the New Testament. Just after Jesus' ascension, three and a half years later, Stephen was killed. But before he, he died, the the face of the face to face he had with the Jewish leaders something happened I just want to read from the Acts of the Apostles um, page 98 paragraph 4 it says as Stephen stood face to face with his judges to answer to the charge of blasphemy a holy radiance shone upon his countenance and all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Many who beheld this light trembled and veiled their faces. So in other words, 
the people were ready to kill him. He knew that this his death is at hand, but he was not moved. He was not afraid of death. Could not hold him. He he was not like saying, "Okay, let me let me yield and escape this one." For him, seeing the face of Christ in that moment was enough. He was ready to meet his Savior, and that that's the kind of experience we. we need to have a day-by-day experience, communion with God, living even as in this earth, living as if we are living together with Christ. And our heart will be bound together with Him. That's abiding in Him now. So much so that when the time comes, the fear of death will not allow, will not cause us to give up our position or abandon our position and join the ranks of the opposition. May God help us stand the test of the time of trouble. Amen. I also like to add that the experience that we are to have now is an experience of <clears throat> victory which comes through faith. We are told that this is the victory that overcomes the world. That's First John 5 verse 4. That whatsoever overcomes the world, uh, is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And we read in Revelation fourteen twelve that those who come to this time of trouble are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. So the experience we are to be having now is that experience of gaining the victory through faith. We know that in the time of trouble, it's actually the faith of the people that are to be attacked. Satan is going to test them. That is the culmination of the time of his temptations. It's very strange. It looks like it's a... It's going to be a hard test. Somebody tells you, you are going to set a hard test for you. You are going to be expecting one uh, thing that will affect your flesh. Somebody wants to kill you. No, no, that's not it. Satan is going to test their faith to see whether they really believe that they have been forgiven their sins. Whether they can... But And when he's reminding them of their sins, it's going to make them want to be in despair, to think that God has not forgiven them. So today, if we are not having that experience of believing the word of god taking god's word for what it is which is the experience we're supposed to be having now an experience of faith which means taking the word of god and acting on it believing the word of god and believing that it has power to do what it says it will do if we have not yet gotten that experience then we are not ready for the time of trouble in a general sense that is what the experience is an experience of faith even Jesus on the cross, it was his faith that was tested. And we are told that when he could look back at his acceptance, how the Father accepted him, that was what took him through in the cross. He knew and had faith on what God had said in the past. So we too are supposed to be having faith today. If we are not exercising faith in the word of God today, we will not be able to exercise faith in that time. May God help us to pass through that experience. And there's one more thing I really want to take note of, which is that God's providence is the school that's what he says there that God's providence is the school with which he uses to prepare us for that time God's providence is the school in which we are to learn the meekness and lowliness of Jesus which is part of the experience how is that so whatever experience you see yourself passing through the way you react to it is what matters God is the one who puts us through these experiences when you pass through somebody steps on your toes literally now or figuratively god is the one who permitted it and he wants to use that that is his providence there 
He wants to use it to bring out the meekness and loneliness of Christ in you. When someone is trying to seduce you, that is God's providence. To bring out the meekness and loneliness of Christ in you, to make you respond in the right way. When you have riches, it is God's providence still. When you are poor, it is God's providence. And all of it is still trying to work out something in you. When you get married, when you have children, when your wife disappoints you, when your husband disappoints you, when your children are doing well, when your husband is doing well, everything, God is using it. He allows those things to happen and the point is he wants to use it to bring out the meekness and lowliness of Christ. So in every situation we find ourselves, we should understand that this is God's providence, especially when we are doing the will of God. Not when we ourselves go against God's will. When we are doing God's will, whatever happens to us after doing it is God's providence. So I'm keeping God's commandments and because of that, I'm elevated in my job. It's God's providence. I'm keeping God's commandments and because of that, I'm sacked. It is God's providence. And he wants to see, bring out a response in you that will be the exact same response of Christ where he to be in our position. May God give us the grace to really reflect the image of Jesus and be perfect in, his, in Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for having led us thus far. We thank you for the close of the day. We began the day with you and now we've ended with you. We thank you for your word that has been made flesh today. Thank you for the warning and the reminder that when the time of trouble shall come, such as never was since there was a nation, and you will protect your own. You provide for your children, those who cry day and night unto thee. We thank you for such comforting words. You've done it before in the past, and we know you can do it again. Strengthen our hearts, O Lord, to continue to walk in love and in unity of the faith, whilst we look forward to thy coming. This is our prayer to Christ our Lord. Amen.